All right. So just as some kind of quick housekeeping type things, as we are going through the uh, School of the Prophets, um, I have revamped the, the Learning Zion site just a little bit to, I thought I had it up, but I didn't. <laughs> just a second, let me. Um, just a second. <laughs> oh, where's my brain? You have menopause brain, remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, <clears throat> there's there's quite a few of us that aren't on Facebook. Oh, yeah, you can be, uh, so I didn't want to um, necessarily uh, keep our our conversations over there. So I, I've got Learning Zion revamped. So on the the home page, as soon as you log in, um, there's all 13 weeks here with links uh, to the discussion board for for each. So it has the homework reading, and then we will post the 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 three videos from each week and then the discussion down here where you can click reply and uh, type in um any sort of links or or pdfs or uh, whatever you'd like um to uh, contribute to that week's study and so um with these homework readings uh, these were just the ones that i uh, was kind of led to as i was developing um kind of this background behind lectures on faith and uh trying to kind of piece things together. But if you find any other articles that are really helpful, um, I encourage you to, to navigate to the, the learningzion.com and, and post those here so that we can all benefit from that. Um, and also I have revamped uh, the very bottom of the homepage. So if you uh, take a look here and scroll down, um, I've got a quick link to all of our past uh, book clubs. So Blessings of Abraham, Triumph of Zion, Isaiah Decoded, all of those are all right there in a more handy format so that you might not have to go through book club recordings and kind of go the, the slow route. But those are all still here in the book club recording section, um, but also they're just on the homepage trying to make it as easy as we can to kind of uh, review things. Yeah, Cameron, that looks so good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I've had a lot of people be like, well, learning Zion's great, but it's not super fast or, or friendly. So I'm always open to uh, comments, suggestions, and, and revamps there. So anyway, you get hopefully that helps us. You get 20 questions from us saying, where do I find? <laughs> well, and if I'm ever screen sharing and it's like going berserk on me, I'm so sorry, but let me know right away so that we can try to troubleshoot and, and fix that. Uh, I see on my end anyway, that I'm like 50 paces behind <laughs> already. I don't know, there it is. <laughs> Just some. <laughs> Darlene, has your ward, are you, has the, the ward change happened yet? About the building? Yeah. We got word last week that the engineers had come out and went 
all through it and under the the it's not really a basement but the foundation and everything and they're gonna actually fix it up for us and they said <laughs> they said that it'll be good for a long time oh that's but we'll probably have to go somewhere while they're doing that initial but you won't have to split though or will you no it, it was so exciting i like that's but I guess our bishop had written a letter and and kind of I don't know. But anyway, it kind of don't break us up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, they say you know if you're within twenty miles of another church, then you can just go to that church. But um, we have people that travel like a half hour to church and then that would be on top of that you know sure. and so anyway I think that's kind of what did the final decision I don't know that's what I heard anyway is your building having structural problems yeah yeah big time it's it's made out of cinder cinder block cinder rather block. than the, the wood and it doesn't give you know as much oh. and it's been um separating <laughs> pretty good through the years you know uh-huh cracks that big where you can see daylight through wow <laughs> yeah. wow <laughs> but they're gonna they're gonna fix it so anyway so we don't have to lose our church which would be so weird <laughs> not have a church in our community you know because they was talking about just tearing it down and having us go to. And the church that, that was probably going to have to go to is a lot, lot smaller than ours. And our, our ward's big. And I, anyway, it'd just be, I don't know. Anyway, it all worked out. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Excited. <laughs> All right, so um, we've got, uh, <laughs> now I kind of like hate screen sharing. Uh, hopefully it's going to cooperate with me today. But um, if it does, if I start getting like behind or warbly or whatever tech glitches, let me know and we can uh, revamp. Um, <clears throat> I was gonna do a lot of screen sharing today, actually, darn it. Um, but anyway, I really loved the the third article uh, from the, the School of the Prophets. Um, that, that kind of goes in a, in a timeline based thing. So I was going to kind of start there and, and see if we have any questions and, and comments as we go along. Um, but anyway, just kind of opening it up uh, right off the bat. Is there any um, any questions about School of the Prophets or uh, School of the Elders or any of the organization that uh, was kind of confusing as we were going through uh, some of the, the reading? If not, we'll, we'll kind of dive in here. So, I had one very, like, just a fact question. It's nothing that's going to go deep, yeah. I don't think, anyway. Um, could with this group, huh? Um, was the first meeting the only one where women were in attendance that we know of? A great question. So um, as far as I know, um, there, there wasn't any. Um, did it mention that there were some women in the, the first session there? I thought it did. We'll see. 
Because yeah, as far as I knew, I didn't mark it, you know, but I, as I read it, I thought, oh, first meeting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when they do establish the Relief Society, that's the exact reason for doing so. It seemed like that, um, oh yeah, on like the third or fourth page here, <clears throat> under the Kirtland School, um, it mm -hmm. says that there were also women and children who joined in this school. Right. And so that one was separate from the actual School of the Elders. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, in the Kirtland School, uh, with all of the, um, the things that were, were taught there, we have... Um, sorry, I need to like staple my pages because I'm getting them out of order. Um, but where Sidney Rigdon and William E. McClellan were the teachers, uh, so the women and children also were uh, able to join that school. But as far as the elders, the school of the elders, I, I don't believe that there were any women in that one. Okay. Um, so kind of focusing in on the name, where does the name School of the Prophets come from? Because that's a, a very um, interesting term, right? Uh, we have uh, in, in our vernacular today, we have a, a, a prophet with a, a quorum of, of apostles. And yes, we, we sustain them all as, as prophet seers and revelators. Um, and here, Joseph is, is creating a, a school of the prophets. And so who can be invited? What does that look like? And, and how does that uh, pertain to, to us nowadays? And so I found this section very interesting with the name. The, the name was... Um, was given there in, in DNC 88. Uh, we have uh, verses 127 and 136 that deal with that. And um, it kind of stems from the, the Old Testament references to the sons of the prophets. Um, I just kind of want to read through this uh, bottom paragraph on that first page there, where it says, uh, little is known of this group. However, from their fragmented references found in the Bible, uh, Jeremiah gives the, this description of the group and their activities. They dwell with their families in larger communities, in modest circumstances, and at various cultic sites, uh, i.e. Bethel, Jericho, Gilgal, etc. They assemble in communal halls before their master, whom they address as father for instruction, and are available to him for errands, but they could also receive and transmit sayings of Yahweh individually. These circles were connected with definite eschatological expectations for a specific future. And so I think, <laughs> I mean, it took me like a good <laughs> whole day to like unpack everything that was there and, and study all of those references. But I found that so intriguing that we have um, these sons of the prophets who are um, addressing their, their teacher as father and uh, coming right off of the heels of um, Avraham's uh, interpretations and uh, commentaries on Isaiah, uh, we know the son-father uh, relationship is a, uh, a covenant term, uh, you know, emperor-vassal, uh, son-servant level type thing. So as we're reading Isaiah Decoded chapter 6, uh, this kind of helps give us a, or, or widen our uh, vision of what this, the sons of the prophets really were. Uh, they were uh, being trained on, on higher levels to um, effect 
greater blessings for for the whole. And so I, I found that very interesting. Do we have any more information to give us a clearer picture? That is such an intriguing, I thought was, I read it, and I'm glad you're starting off with that because that was what really popped for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot, um, but Second Kings, those different references throughout there, uh, kind of studying those and uh, in their, their context, uh, even First and Second Kings uh, give a few different ones, but that's, that's kind of the, the basics of what we know. And so as that plays into the school of the prophets, I think studying those first and second Kings, as well as uh, this material that we have on school of the prophets together, kind of helps us form a, a more clear picture. But again, it <laughs> it's kind of interesting how this is all very, um, I don't know, uh, kind of kept uh, sacred or, or uh, more apart, and it's not really written about very much. Um, uh, you're inducted into uh, the School of the Prophets, yet uh, there's some, you know, extemporaneous journal accounts, etc., but not a whole lot of detail on what um, the day-to-day -day and, and learning is going on in there. So, so yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot more on it, but um, just kind of looking up any of these references like I haven't had time to look up this uh, Napier uh, book uh, in the 1962 there I would really like to to read it as well as um, what's the other one as you mentioned there's another um, article that I have in one of the other weeks that has a, another good article but I forget what it is off the top of my head Cameron, I looked up that last word that I had never come across before that starts with an E. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Eschatological? Thank you. Um, <laughs> I looked that one up and it has to do with um, looking into the future and anticipating something in the future, such as, you know, a, a big spiritual event. So at least that was my, my understanding. Yeah. And um, so that also had to me resonates with the idea of prophecy as well mm -hmm. and an interest in prophecy. So that's the one thing that I had to, definitely had to look up. Oh, what is that <laughs> word? <laughs> yep. It seemed really funny last year at Education Week, that word was being thrown around a lot. And I was like, what? is it like how have I never heard this word and everybody else seems to know it <laughs> but yeah another well, hear words can like, get trendy <laughs> then uh, you hear it all the time after that mm -hmm. once you hear it, it seems like anyway but anyway in the scriptures anytime talking about sons and stuff it usually has to do with this son servant level yeah. that and they're striving to become to reach the seraphim level you know and i think that to in my mind i i think that's what's going on here is they are on the sun surface certain level that's and, a good point and yeah. striving to to learn what they need to learn to be on the seraphim level right um cameron or darlene or someone who knows more than i do refresh me on the becoming a Zion people, like the city of Enoch, what level would that be? 
would it be similar to perhaps one of these groups that we're just discussing? Uh, in, in my opinion, yes. So, um, you know, eventually uh, City of Enoch becomes Seraph level. They, they become that, that fully translated uh, group. But um, as they're, they're building Zion, if we're looking at uh, Isaiah's model anyway, uh, becoming Zion, uh, and then they uh, get to the sun servant level and, and start looking forward to their, their future end time missions and uh, some of that eschatological prophecy type abilities. Um, it seems like a, a very uh, interesting progression, Zion uh, to, to sons and, and, and seraph. That's it, what you're saying makes every bit of sense to me anyway, that, um, that that's their natural progression, that any of these um, sun groups uh, that we see in scripture are, are on their way. They're building Zion in, in uh, higher ways and uh, looking for more. <laughs> Definitely looking for more. Mm -hmm. yeah. The city Zion um, that will be building uh, later on there in Missouri, to be in the actual city Zion, uh, you have to be on the seraphim level. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be several that are training and learning and, you know, to, to reach that, but to be within the walls of it, it needs to be a seraphim level. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, and just that that last line there that has that that e word, right? <laughs> um, these circles were connected with definite eschatological expectations for a specific future. I found that interesting. I had to like really ponder on that phrase and, and kind of chew on it for a day. Um, but we're concerned with a definite meaning, not indefinite. <laughs> that we're uh, focusing on a defined point and uh, how it uh, kind of mirrors that specific future term there as well. I have to wonder if they were, um, you know, like the, the city of Enoch and, and those who uh, were given the, the vision of all, and they said, we want to help at that time, the, the latter part of the last days, like right before the second coming, a definite specific future. We want to help there. And so train us, you know, help us become, uh, the sons and, and seraphim uh, that can uh, help with, with that specific scenario. I, I wonder if that's what it's uh, kind of referring to. I don't know, but uh, it, that was just an interesting sentence to ponder. That's a super good wondering. <laughs> so let's start studying Hebrew and see where we, we get. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yep, exactly. Um. So then we're, we're kind of moving into winter of 1832 to 33, and um, this is where it's initiated and organized according to Revelation. Uh, we'll, we'll see the actual uh, revelation of how uh, Section 88 came about uh, here at the last of this article, um, but it's received in, in three parts and um, in a very interesting manner. Uh, very Zion-like, and um, 
This one is not subject to open enrollment. It's limited to the first laborers of the kingdom. So it eventually becomes 21 members. And this is just like the smallest little group. They're meeting in a, a school room, 10 by 14, specifically built for the school. And so, um, you know, it has a lot of pre-temple imagery um, and where the, the Kirtland temple is... Um, kind of the, the end goal, the embodiment for, for these early uh, first laborers. Um, but anyway, it's just kind of interesting how that, that transitions, that these uh, first 21 members are uh, the only ones that receive the, the ordinance of the washing of the feet, which we'll talk about in depth next time. Um, and uh, some of the, the very intimate first teachings that Joseph Smith is, is receiving for this group here. Um, so just kind of to, to read that uh, Zebedee Coulter interview there from 1883, uh, I found this very interesting. It says, Elder Orson Hyde was the teacher and saluted the brethren with uplifted hands, and they also answered with uplifted hands, spoke of the administration of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The brethren always went fasting. They went in the morning, remained about... Uh, until about four o'clock in the afternoon, when each had a glass of wine and a piece of bread after the ancient pattern. Joseph was the president and appointed Elder Orson Hyde teacher, as the school was not only revelations and doctrine, but also for learning English grammar, etc. The teacher saluted the brethren, or one or more, as they came in. The salutation was given every morning when they met. Brother Signe Rigdon lectured on grammar sometimes. And so we have theology, English grammar, and some other subjects that we don't have a whole lot of information on. So um, going through, if <laughs> I was going to like screen share this one, but um, I worried that my computer will kick me off and throw fits. So um, at DNC 88, uh, verse 133, um, if you want to get there, but I'm going to uh, read it out loud. But this is the salutation that they are giving with uplifted hands. So um, when, when uh, anyone would come in, whether it was a single brother or they're coming as a group of two or three or, or whatever, um, the teacher would um, salute them with this verse 133. Art thou a brother or brethren? I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant in which covenant I receive you to fellowship in a determination that is fixed, immovable, and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother through the grace of God in the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God blameless in thanksgiving forever and ever. Amen. And then um, as they would receive that, they had one of two options. They could either just say amen, uh, to, to, like ditto, or they uh, could then repeat back that exact same salutation if they had it memorized and, and everything. Um, and with that, that was their admission into, um, into the school. Uh, no one could actually participate in the school or even enter the room unless that salutation uh, was had back and forth. So I found that very interesting, you know, especially pre-temple imagery where there is a certain phraseology or, um, you know, if we're talking about <laughs> as we're like little kids, little boys club, girls club, that what's the password kind of a thing. And so uh, very interesting how that plays in as Joseph Smith is receiving this um, revelation to start the school uh, with 
with certain eschatological expectations. You're getting to say that word really well. <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> I, I, I was going to ask you to clarify because I think I heard you correctly. I, are all of these uh, schools, are they, at least this one we're talking about, is that pre-temple? Is it before the temples were built? Yes, correct. Um, so this is uh, winter 1832. Um, when was Kirtland actually finished? Um, let me look that up because that would be a great. Let's see. So Kirtland Temple dedicated 1836. So um, we're a good four years before it, they actually have a dedicated temple that, that could house something like this. Um, so they have that, that first winter where uh, they kind of learn together, small group, 21 members, and then they, they have a year break. That next winter, uh, they don't have an appropriate facility. Uh, the leaders were preoccupied with lots of different things, and um, especially the difficulties with the Missouri Saints which I think is interesting given the fact of, of what they're studying and when um, they're, I don't know, looking at Isaiah's uh, kind of pattern, right? We have a descent before an ascent. And I see that that uh, winter might have very well or provided some of a descent so that they could ascend the, the next winter as they were meeting again. But I don't know, that's just, an idea that that popped in my head. I don't know if that's real. I have a little thought, Cameron, mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of back to the thought that you made just before you made that one. I was still kind of thinking about the words. Yeah. And it came to me that the words were probably something to designate sacred space, that that enclosure was a safe and sacred place for them at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I was also thinking on those words. I hadn't gone through them uh, for at least a year, actually, that salutation. But I noticed the word friend is in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when uh, Christ uses the word friend, that's ones that have been translated calls them the friend you know beloved and friend and and this has that that in there so i don't know i just kind of i think we're on the right track with the sun servant level and the seraphim level thing mm -hmm. yeah i really like that i've been memorizing it this week because you know i i, I want to tread lightly on not you know uh, profaning the the sacredness of that salutation um but you know i i would like to uh study the the words and and, and phrases in there uh each time we meet kind of as um not that we all get together and, and recite it but just kind of reviewing that we might start each uh of our sessions uh with that specific verse in mind um you know without uh, performing the actual uplifting hands or, or anything like that but um i think that there's a lot of power in those words um mm -hmm. yeah i think they, so, yeah. like lisa was saying denoting a, a sacred space and um and that's what we're doing here with with our talks 
it, it's a safe place where we can say things that we wouldn't otherwise say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you notice the color of the walls of that room? <laughs> I haven't, no. It's, it's red, red, red. Is it really? It really is. It's oh. kind of a barn red, but it's, it's jumped out at me. Um, the Savior's atoning blood, so. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. That is really interesting. It is. Very profound. Of all the colors they could have chosen, uh -huh. that's the one. Wow. wow. Yeah, now you got me curious. Like Anthony Sweat, you know, who delves into all this all the time, his artwork and stuff, I, I'm just going to look it up real quick because uh, he tries to, to paint uh, lots of different scenes that aren't necessarily depicted anywhere else. Um, but I know that there's one on School of the Prophets because it, it's not necessarily this room, is it? Oh, yeah. I mean that up so is this the one that you're talking about leslie it's like the size of a pencil eraser i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway that one it's interesting that, how it is red. so it's it's like blue on the outside here but like red on on the inside where they go wow yeah i <laughs> you would think me mr symbolism would would get that but no i had not noticed that before it's kind of the color of the matrix, uh, maybe symbolic of like the womb is, you know, the matrix, the creation and possibly resonates with um, rebirthing to higher levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> then the, the next winter, so winter 1834 to 35, um they uh are talking about the the kirtland temple um so forming a committee to purchase the lands financial donations etc and and constructions actually beginning um it's not going to be an ordinary schoolhouse so long longer construction time is going to be necessary like they they realize that the school of the prophets that that we need uh instruction that we can be taught from on high and they need a, a special place to to do it um and this is the, the winter where they actually divide into two different schools. So there's the School of the Elders, which is a theological school. And then there's the Kirtland School, uh, like we had mentioned before, that there's women and children in that one. And they're, they're focusing on secular subjects, but um, there's a, a huge emphasis on learning, uh, growing in our knowledge, um, which, I mean, we, we still continue to this day, right? I mean... Mm -hmm. We are, are definitely a, a religion that, that prom promotes the gaining of, of knowledge. Right. And that's part of the diligence, uh, the way diligence plays out. The more diligent we are, the more light, the more knowledge we're able to, to receive, mm -hmm. which is really good. And what wasn't there some missionary preparedness? Was it the Kirkland group or, or was it kind of all of them? Uh, preparing people to prepare others uh-huh yeah we i didn't have that marked as well as i thought i thought i could go right to it um but yeah it, there was a definite um uh, preparedness there to go and, and teach others uh, so i find it interesting that uh school of the 
of the prophets um, and, and school of the elders is, is kind of teaching people like you have to kind of go there before you can go out on missions um, and uh, you know very much like our, our own endowments where uh, we, we need to receive the endowment of, of power before we can go out and teach um, kind of mirroring that that thing in our day but yeah I'm not finding it right off the bat to quote it but but yeah I don't know if this is where you're trying to find, but there, right at the last paragraph there under winter 34 through 35, uh-huh. it, um, that the last part of it says the classes being mostly elders gave the most studious attention to the all important object of qualifying themselves as messengers of Jesus Christ to be ready to do his will in carrying glad tidings to all the world open, would open their eyes, ears, and hearts. Is that what you was looking for? Yeah, it seemed like there was another part to it, but yeah. I think there is another part, but that was really good. I love the part about declaring glad tidings. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so with the school of the elders, once they finally, uh, not finally, but, uh, in this winter, when they, they separate out into two groups, um, then they, they branch out and more elders are uh, brought in, but there is no evidence of the foot washing ceremony. Not to say that there wasn't, um, but we don't have, uh, any evidence or, or journals of, uh, that foot washing ceremony being used to initiate the members. Um, but the missions and statements are the same. Um, and then this is where the lectures on theology or the lectures on faith are, are first instituted. So it's actually the third winter because the second winter was kind of a by one, right? Um, but anyway, the, the second time that they do that, this is where um, Sidney Rigdon is um, kind of behind a lot of the, the writing of the, the actual lectures themselves. Um, but that wasn't the only curriculum, uh, as Heber C. Kimball in his statement uh, suggests here that many were called upon to teach. Uh, again, I, I just want to read that. A certain number were appointed to speak at each meeting. On one occasion, I was called to speak on the principle of faith. But, you know, I, I think that's interesting that they're always on this, this topic of faith and, and growing that. Um, Several brethren spoke before me and quoted every passage mentioned in the scriptures on the subject. I referred to an original circumstance which took place in my family. And then they have that uh, story of his daughter. And um, so uh, interesting that that they're always focused on faith and uh, trying to develop this principle amongst themselves. The first time that I read lectures on faith, uh, was on my mission. It was there on my mission president's <laughs> table as we were waiting for a birthday party. And I was sitting there and I was like jaw dropped and like, what am I reading? Like, how have I never heard of any of this before or whatever? And he's like, <laughs> my mission president was like, don't worry, just focus on the, the lessons and, and teaching, <laughs> um, uh, teaching your, uh, your people and stuff, but, um, don't, don't get too sidetracked by lectures on faith right now. <laughs> and I was like, um, what? <laughs> lectures on faith was blowing my mind. I couldn't put it down. And so, 
this this fact of faith and uh, everything I was reading was pointing to the fact that I didn't have faith like it was describing and I was like but I thought I had faith anyway it was kind of like this existential crisis that I was having on my mission like oh my gosh what am I doing I don't have nothing like what they're talking about here I think I've been coming to the same conclusion just a little <laughs> later than you did <laughs> But, you know, um, I think faith is one of those never-ending subjects, probably just as we take, a, you know, a little step forward, we don't even realize there's more that mm -hmm. we just don't even see because we're not there yet. I have a feeling like it's a really big topic and it's very connected to power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. I love that. Um I was listening uh, Journey to the Veil 2 uh, the past couple of days, uh, somewhere between like chapter six and nine, somewhere around in there. Uh, he gives a, a great uh, thing on, on uh, faith, hope, and all of that interrelationship with, with listening to uh, the voice of the spirit. And anyway, it, it was very good. And I was like, oh my goodness, all of the timing of all these things that I'm reading, it's all kind of converging on, on the topic of faith again. Uh, which is is awesome. Did you get the updated one, or is that the original one? Uh, yeah, I got the updated one. I haven't listened to it since it's been updated. I need to. Yeah, it's so much better. No more robot voices. <laughs> <laughs> Reminding me of the, your computer sometimes a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So there is the, the Kirtland School. We're not going to focus too much on it, but uh, very much the secular subjects. Um, and uh, there, there is a, uh, a paid teacher who is, is doing that one. It's very interesting, uh, the kind of comparing these, these both uh, together that winter where they, they separated out into two groups for, for different purposes. <clears throat> And then there is a summer session of the Kirtland School um, that winter as well. Um, and then comes the, the next winter uh, through the summer of 1837. So uh, again, Kirtland Temple dedicated 1836. So that happens kind of in this, this interim here. Um, <laughs> learning became contagious for many members of the church, which uh, we see, right? Um, <laughs> let's see so uh john coral wrote this speaking of church members he said they have been previously commanded to seek learning and study the best books and get a knowledge of countries kingdoms languages etc which inspired them with an extravagant thirst after knowledge and i can only imagine you know like the church is new it's a fledgling church and everybody's learning you know like <laughs> it's not just this um this new religion with its own dogma and um yeah it's it's kind of like all of it's a melting pot of all of these ideas and we're all learning together and uh kind of getting on the same page and learning about faith and all of these circular subjects and everything i can only imagine i mean it, <laughs> i don't know why in the pre-existence i didn't sign up for that time period because that was that's right up my alley i would have been there <laughs> but i think that, that there was such a grand vision that bloomed and opened up almost like a renaissance mm -hmm. that um I think that that was probably, I mean, my guess would be that would be part of the contagion. Mm -hmm. 
it was happening. It was just like this explosion of light. And with this grand vision of going to the whole world, it just, instead of being very provincial, which would be very easy in those days, there was no internet. You know, there was no, (laughs) I mean, even just getting news, you know, how did you get news of what was happening on the other side of the world? So it was such a grand vision to take the tidings of great joy to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Be so fun to, um, anyway, I just like want to find all of their journals and I want to pour through all of them and, and see what it was like. Uh, to to kind of be a part of of that renaissance, like you said. Um, So there were further schools established to meet the growing needs of the church members. Um, uh, Further sessions of the elder school, a Hebrew school was established, and a variety of evening schools were offered. Uh, The combined curricula, I I love looking at this. So we have theology, we have lectures on faith, etc. English grammar, writing, reading, common arithmetic, mathematics, geography, history, debating, singing, foreign languages, including Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I had my college career to go back and do over again, I, I would format it much more after this kind of a principle rather than some of the dumb stuff I did. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> So the purpose of the School of the Prophets, here's where... Um, I want to spend uh, a lot of our time because uh, there's just a lot here packed into these uh, few paragraphs. So um, on the evening of the 21st September, 1823. So, you know, first vision is 1820. Three years after that, um, this personage stood before him and gives him the the preparatory work uh, for the second coming. And this preparation would come through the process of building up Zion. Zion is defined as, and the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness and there was no poor among them. The task of creating a worldwide Zion or city of Enoch is mind boggling. Such a task will require great power on both the Lord's part and upon the part of the Lord's people. So, you know, very much like what Lisa was just talking about there, you know, this Renaissance, like this idea of like, we can do this, this little small band of, of individuals, we can grow Zion like uh, Enoch of old, and it's going to be a worldwide Zion this time, like we're going to uh, fill the, the earth with this. Um, it, it must have been very contagious, that that spirit of, um, uh, of Zion. It says that such power comes through faith, and so that power to create Zion is something that we have to channel and learn and uh, uh, become part of. The lectures on faith define faith as both action and power. Uh, To quote 1 verse 9, faith is the principle of action in all intelligent beings. But faith is not only the principle of action, but of power also in all intelligent beings, whether in heaven or on earth. Uh, The four ingredients of faith, Joseph B. Worthlin says that faith exists when absolute confidence in that which we cannot see combines with action that is in absolute conformity to the will of our Heavenly Father. Dallin H. Oaks, the first principle of the gospel is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith means trust, trust in God's will, trust in his way of doing things, and trust in his timetable. We should not try to impose our timetable on his. 
Indeed, we cannot have true faith in the Lord without also having complete trust in his will and in his timing. It says that a major purpose of the School of the Prophets was to increase the faith of church members. And as all have not faith, seek ye diligently to teach one another words of wisdom. Yea, seek ye out of the best book words of wisdom, seek learning even by study and also by faith. And so I think that that's just such a, a huge key in, um, in building up Zion is actually teaching each other uh, the doctrine of, of faith and, and experimenting upon it, uh, learning and growing together in that principle in order to access the powers of heaven, draw down that power and um, uh, be a conduit of, of that. Yeah, from what you've just read, it sounds to me like that faith is is like the key ingredient to creating that mm -hmm. Zion vision of one heart and one mind. That faith is faith is what gets us there. Yeah, I love that. It. Almost like it unlocks that um, mm. new reality. Yeah. And like, kind of going back to my mission, it's like, sometimes even now I'm just like, wow, like I don't have the faith that it's talking about here. So like, what does it take to, to get that kind of faith? And so I hope that, I mean, that's like my um, earnest hope with, with all of our, our book clubs, this uh, turnaround that, that we can teach each other about faith uh, in order to access this. Because um, we all have such different backgrounds and as we come together to teach each other uh like it it talks about there uh in dnc 88 um and very much school of the prophets-esque in order to to unlock that key there hey cameron mm -hmm. question <clears throat> do you know if they talked about the things that were taught outside of the school of the prophets you know i am not sure it it doesn't seem to be like they did very widely but you know i i don't know i would love to know the answer to that question really mushroomed i think and so there was excitement for good reason i just i don't know mm -hmm. how that developed because <clears throat> we do know like looking back at any of those early discourses that were publicly written or you know in shorthand and stuff i mean they talked a lot more openly <laughs> back then than they do now right we have a very generalized um audience and, and messages that are being given um so i wouldn't be surprised that they did um especially in, in you know smaller groups yes they they might be public but they're still very uh confined and, and small uh, how they would talk about some of those things but uh again where they are creating a, a sacred space and uh with that salutation washing of the feet the initiation and stuff um they may have been instructed on certain uh, topics to, to keep those sacred i don't know I, I would love to know the answer to that and especially where um kind of back with the old testament sons of the prophets you know how that is very it's kind of buttoned up, you know, we, we don't know the full extent of everything they talked about or anything. Mm -hmm. So that would maybe kind of point to the lectures on faith as well, where uh, there may have been um, certain things that they were learning that were, were not communicated to everyone or talked about everywhere. The know. way that um, Joseph Smith knew the scriptures, he was so well versed in them whether it was inspiration or whether it was that sort of inspiration that comes when you're exposed to something, maybe he read that scripture about that group mm 
And maybe that was like a seed in his prophetic vision. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, just, like, you know, I want that. wonder about that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That would be interesting to, uh, to know exactly what, you know, I'm not the best at, at church history timelines and stuff like that, but um, when DNC 88 is being received, what is Joseph Smith currently like translating or reading in and stuff like that's a very interesting uh, idea to see if he's uh, pondering on those topics and going, oh, I, we want to do that. Because it seems like his vision, I mean, when you begin as a young man, so young as he was, it's like you don't get everything at once. It's mm -hmm. like his vision continued to evolve when he began to comprehend his mission. Yeah. I mean, he probably, when he was a little boy, really didn't understand what his mission was. So it would be really interesting to know what he was, what you said about what he was reading <laughs> mm -hmm. as this whole thing, you know, began to evolve through, um, you know, the Lord really taking him and, and, uh, utilizing his gifts through those inspiration mm -hmm. yeah for sure um and so um later as um well just kind of uh, picking up <laughs> there's so much there and i don't want to misquote it it says the world in which the school of the prophets emerged was a world at the beginning of monumental change in his book entitled The Birth of the Modern, Paul Johnson has insightfully described the period between 1815 and 1830 as the time in which the matrix of the modern world was largely formed. Um, and so uh, talks about an endowment of power was needed to accomplish the Lord's work. And so the church commanded to move from uh, New York to Ohio Wherefore, for this cause, I gave unto you the commandment that you should go to the Ohio, and there I will give unto you my law, and there you shall be endowed with power from on high. And so how the school of the prophets was all preparatory to receiving um, the, the greater endowment. <clears throat> um, yeah, so uh, in all that time, they're uh, moving and growing and learning, and, and it's very contagious there. So moving into the, the actual revelation of uh, DNC 88. Um, oh man, every time that I study this, there's just so much popping out at me and stuff. Like I said, before class, I was uh, refreshing myself on a few verses and uh, I've got more questions than I've got, <laughs> got time to even think about. But um, DNC 88 is referred to as the olive leaf uh, plucked from the, the tree of paradise. I find that a very interesting description, right? As we ha have read uh, about uh, the tree in, in various parts in Book of Mormon and, and Old Testament literature, that um, a, a tree of paradise and the, the olive leaf that is plucked from it, what, what purpose could that uh, serve? And so it's actually three separate revelations. And from the Kirtland Council Minute Book, uh, the account of the first revelation is as follows. A conference of high priests assembled in the translating room in Kirtland, Ohio, on the 27th day of December, 1832. So, I mean, the, the church was just organized two years prior, right? I mean, this is uh, uh, pretty, 
uh, what is that, pretty fast. I mean, the, the re uh, restoration is unfolding very quickly. And so you have a, a small group of, uh, of men there. It was commenced by prayer. Then Brother Joseph arose and said, to receive revelation and the blessing of heaven, it was necessary to have our minds on God and exercise faith and become of one heart and of one mind. And so I find that just really interesting. To receive revelation, we need to become of one heart and one mind. We need to become a Zion people and focus our, our minds on God. Like, I don't know that I've ever been in any group that has ever tried to, like, practice that in, in its real sense, right? It sounds like a, a, a very potent veil thinning mm -hmm. technique to be able to pray um, and concentrate and be still and to become one that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Just, just envisioning this and stuff. Like I, I've spent like a good couple of weeks just on uh, this uh, section here, just trying to envision it and look at it and um, implement that. It says, therefore he recommended all present to pray separately and vocally to the Lord for him to reveal his will unto us concerning the upbuilding of Zion and for the benefit of the saints and for the duty and employment of the elders. Accordingly, we all bowed down before the Lord, after which each one arose and spoke in his turn his feelings and determination to keep the commandments of God, and then proceeded to receive a revelation concerning the duty that was above stated. And so, I mean, it's kind of like a testimony meeting, right? Where, I mean, we're all kind of focused. We, we've come fasting and um, we're, we're all kind of on the same wavelength, uh, you know, ideally, because <laughs> uh, that might not uh, be every single uh, testimony meeting. But um, then one by one to arise and speak and uh, their feelings and determination to keep the commandments of God and then actually receive revelation says at nine o'clock p.m., the revelation not being finished, the conference adjourned and commenced by prayer and thus proceeded to receive the residue of the above revelation. I mean, so I think that that's very interesting. You know, like they're in the process of receiving revelation and it's like, well, it's kind of late. <laughs> we might want to do this, uh, continue this on. So it's a, a multi-day process here. And it being finished and there being no further business before the council, the conference closed the meeting by prayer in harmony with the brethren and gratitude to our Heavenly Father for the great manifestation of his Holy Spirit during the setting of the conference. Um, and so that process there um, was what culminated in verses 1 through 126. But there, that's not the full part of uh, DNC 88. There's a second revelation and a third revelation as well. Um, but like just focusing in on the first revelation here and what was given, I, I find this interesting that there is a call for the organization of a school was given. You know, how would that be? Like, again, we're visualizing what's happening here. Everybody's uh, wanting to have their minds on God, receive revelation about Zion. How do we do this? And it calls for an organization of a school. Somebody stands up and, uh, with their feelings of determination to keep the commandments of God, uh, proceeds to, to give um, uh, a call for an organization of a school. Uh, somebody else might stand up and, and actually give the mission statement that was set forth. Another, uh, the curriculum, 
curriculum categorized. And then uh, possibly another, the rules of personal student conduct were re revealed. Uh, I just find that so interesting how that would all play out um, in that type well, of. Does this mean they're on, when they say bow down, I'm assuming they're on their knees. Mm -hmm. You think they're on their knees all day long? <laughs> I don't know. That's a very great question. But um, as we see later, uh, we'll we'll talk about that. I think it's in the very last week, the week 13, with its aftermath and, and stuff like that. Um, we see that in many of the different sessions, they're on their knees uh, a good portion of the day. And so I wouldn't be surprised that even in the um, this part where they're receiving the revelation to even do um, inform this school that they were probably on their knees as well. That was my view. Tamara? Yeah. I'm wondering, um, because I listened to a YouTube video about how um, the general authorities um, and the women also sit in because of their leadership roles and some of the auxiliaries, how they come to decisions they do try to become of one mind, even though there might be people that initially don't agree, mm -hmm. um, they come to a consensus and they call it counseling together. And they counsel together until they're all able to sustain that decision. Even if there are some that don't, would not have supported it initially, then they willingly do. And I'm kind of wondering, how those two um, things might relate to one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that process of, of counseling is, is um, interesting to apply here because it seems like uh, given that first revelation and what they're uh, kind of doing that um, kind of counseling with the Lord and, and with each other, like, okay, what does Zion look like? And, and all kind of receiving uh, parts of the whole there. That's a very right. They're all envisioning and maybe somehow they're all together fleshing, fleshing it out, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. And, and when you say envisioning, I mean, they could have had literal visions. So there could be dreams and visions of all and say, this is what I saw. This is what I saw. This is what I saw. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're valid, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Because, um, I don't know, something keeps popping into my mind. When Joseph Smith, I forget who he uh, takes. And I think it's in the Kirtland Temple, is it not? <laughs> I really need to brush up on my church history a little bit more. Um, but he says, like, come now, we will receive a vision. It's quoted in Triumph of Zion is where I remember reading that from. But um, anyway, and then they just, both of them lie on their backs, and then they receive a vision. Like, it was... Uh, just something that that you did <laughs> kind of a thing um, and then they would like point out right uh, what did you they received the same vision mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. well, that is fascinating because when you're in proximity to another person within a certain range the the heart has a magnetic field and your heart becomes entrained with the person that's in your you know in that magnetic field so that's sort of interesting that they lie down, you know, I'm assuming beside one another, they would be in one another's magnetic field. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting how everything kind of comes together at, at different points. Uh, studying the book, The Spiritual Physics of Light and Ham Radio and stuff, I'm, I'm very much like 
<laughs> my mind's constantly on like wavelengths and patterns and magnetic fields and how communications are like received right mm -hmm. and so like you know if you have two people next to each other and they're tuning into the same frequency and and they're they're joined kind of thing like they receive the same vision right like it's, it's broadcast once and uh if you're tuned in to the same frequency you can receive the same exact thing yeah, there's and a resonance happening and um also, I was thinking about um, how words can be so cumbersome. I'm sure we've all like been coming from our heart that our words have been misinterpreted. <laughs> how easily that happens. It, loving words the way I do, I always did. I used to read the dictionary when I was little. But I have learned to have little faith <laughs> in, the, in words only because not speaking in the tongue of angels, that's in a different category. Um, but words can be so treacherous. They can be so easily misconstrued. But there's something about receiving a heavenly vision and knowledge and light on, on from on high that to my mind seems to transcend the cumbersomeness of trying to talk something out and get it all like so that we understand because for me communication means and it always so often falls short but it means that both people leave feeling better than they did before they began to me that's what real communication is and everything else which can be so disharmonic just falls short but to receive something from heaven must be so incredibly sublime and then when you consider um, visions of glory, how the people understand each other without words, that has to be something to do with that heart resonance. I mean, to me, that's just heart to heart, not talk like not, not like a heart to heart talk, literally communicating without words. That is something to think about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I'm being kind of silly with my raised hand. <laughs> so, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Stacy Evans was talking about, um, Wendy, you may know about this since Becky's not here. <laughs> She's going to pitch it over to you. <laughs> I love it. Oh, gosh. Wait a minute, I gotta, I don't have a phone there. I gotta see her face. You, you've gotta, you've gotta elaborate, <laughs> know about what. <laughs> okay, well, he, they, they are laying on Joseph's arms, which are outstretched. And so um, I'm thinking of the, the, the energy that runs from the hand to the, to the arm, through the arms to the heart, you know, like the, this, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Yeah, creating uh, like that loop or uh, yeah. as a circuit or something. <laughs> Infinity. It has, I don't understand it, but it, I think it has absolutely something to do with that. Cause that's the, the you know, the heart right there and the, um, your hand. So the palm of the hand. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, the heart is, it's, um, it's kind of the another kind of veil. And so we 
you know, we, there's lots of different veils, but for us, like as we communicate with God and receive things through the veil, um, the heart is a major one. Yeah. So like he parted the veil, a lot of light coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we get, we become organized literally through that light and our bodies our bodies change and we're able to receive more and more glory like they talked about but i love spiritual physics of light isn't that fun yeah, it's such a fun that was that was really beautiful i it reminded me uh wendy of um my study of traditional chinese medicine where uh the heart is called the heart mind it's a concept and it is uh, basically Shen, which is spirit. So that when a person has um, something going on, that they have a Shen disturbance, that their spirit is um, disturbed, they have a difficult time anchoring their spirit in their heart. And it often wanders, especially at night with insomnia and scattered thinking and not being able to focus and meditate on the one and taken to its fullest extent, it can take a person into insanity and schizophrenia. They are so fractured from their divine nature at that point. And so they, they recommend guarding your words that the way the, that impeccability of the way you speak will heal your heart and think because thoughts have energy yes. they're a vibration and so that when you're talking about people communicating through the heart or by thoughts like yes. those are it's a vibration and so it it has a frequency to it so yeah as you watch your thoughts and your words um because by faith all things are created correct and so this the adversary wants to get in and mess it up and create chaos and drama and mm -hmm. trauma and um you know curses like when you get mad at your spouse and you're like you're literally creating yes and we you need to be are. careful of our words and our thoughts very um, careful so but it's the beautiful thing is that through what the lord has has revealed and through the the school of the prophets or as we participate one-on-one -on -one with him and as a community even though we don't know we are we still are doing it um the endowment when you're receiving things there there's people beyond the veil they're receiving it with you and mm -hmm. it's or or i mean any anywhere can be a temple but anyway it's it's was we are open to those visions and to doing the work of the lord he's he's establishing zion Right, and, and as changing we stand, us. As we stand on holy ground, we become more and more a recipient of that light. That was really beautiful. Um, but may I, may I may I say also, like I was going to yes. say, in the temple, when we receive signs, tokens, and names, um, our and as we obtain those two priesthoods, um, the Aaronic and Melchizedek, that our bodies are renewed and those things that the secret combinations that are with that the adversaries hiding you know are hidden and like they become um cut off 
and we're able, and then the Lord sanctifies that knowledge that we, and, and gives us knowledge, and then we're sanctified and purified and able to receive more and more glory. So the temple and the signs and the tokens and the names there actually become written in our bodies. And then our bodies are renewed and we're going through the veil to communicate with the Lord. That's how we come back into his presence. And in the flesh, we see God. Beautiful. So anyway, I, I just wanted to share that. I'm <laughs> so glad you did. It was something that I had been pondering but hadn't felt found words for. And so you expressed that. And I felt that because you expressed it well. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so actually, we're basically done with, with that article there. I, I, I thought there was more paragraphs to read. But um, anyway, hopefully that that's been kind of like a good crash course into to School of the Prophets in, in general and, and what... Um, the the kind of context of lectures on faith uh is where that was new to me coming to it this time of like oh sun servant level isaiah and that preparation where we've went through um that book and kind of taking that and applying it to what lectures on faith can really promote in us as we develop faith and we um are of one heart and one mind building a zion principle of learning um, I think that the, the possibilities are kind of endless as we uh, learn from, from scriptures and, and from these journal accounts of uh, School of the Elders, etc. that um, there's great power, great potential in uh, studying these words and the, the topic of faith in uh, the, the process of, of drawing down the, the powers of heaven. Uh, how President Nelson is so key and instrumental into um, my, my, my seeking and my knowledge and my, my quest for, for true uh, priesthood power by, by seeking to hear him and, and become uh, kind of developing that, that circuit. <laughs> as soon as you said circuit like that, uh, it triggered a whole bunch of like things for me, but um, how all of this is possible. And um, in Journey to the Veil too, again, as I was saying, um, there's somewhere right around chapter eight, and I can't remember if it's eight or not, but um, he describes uh, some of the clothing of the temple and how it points to the fact that we are able to part the veil in this mortality. That's part of the reason of, of our clothing to symbolize that the, the timing that these blessings can be received. And I, I found that very interesting as I was pondering uh, the lectures on faith and uh, what the I don't know, just kind of the the, the door approach, right? <laughs> Ask, seek, and knock. And what am I going to to seek about? What am I what am I seeking here? And uh, I just uh, encourage all of you to to ponder and, and ask that of the Lord yourself. What what are you seeking uh, to gain out of lectures on faith? And uh, where do you want your your faith to blossom? Um, but yeah, any kind of final comments, questions, and, and things before we end for the night? Um, we've got a, a heavy study load for next week. Sorry. It's kind of all in there in that, uh, washing of the feet, because I think that that's such a, um, either misunderstood or misconstrued, uh, kind of a principle. And, and so, uh, lots of 
great articles to kind of help us distinguish what that is and what it looks like on various levels. Um, so yeah, next week is, is the one that has uh, a lot of homework after that, then it's not as much homework except for the memorization, but, but yeah, any final? I wanna say thank you for spearheading this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's been fun uh, kind of not preparing for it because the Lord told me not to prepare anything, <laughs> but um, preparing my mind and and heart for it, uh, like you uh, mentioned there. It, it's been a, a fun process for sure. And I think that a lot of our book clubs, the material that we went through, uh, starting with Abraham, going to Isaiah, Triumph of Zion, Book of Nelson, all of it has been very... Um, Preparatory. It's a, a a great journey to um, to lectures on faith. I, I very much kind of see it as a, a culmination, and uh, at least in my personal journey, anyway, I've loved them. But yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> we're on this uh, embarking on this this fun thirteen weeks together. It's going to be a a fun one. I encourage you as you do find articles or or fun thoughts or comments or whatever to to hop on Learning Zion and uh post those in the, the comments there but yeah i i'm so looking forward to to our weeks together it's gonna be fun <laughs> thanks <All right. laughs> yeah thank you see y'all later have a great week everyone bye good night everyone thank you everyone <laughs>